0: you to develop the courage to click start on a new game the skills that I built playing soccer are equally applicable to other things that I'm gonna do in my life and he helped me realize that through small consistent actions and that's why his three words small consistent actions are so important to me when I'm overwhelmed I ask myself what's the next small consistent action you can take when things are working well what's the next small consistent action you can take
1: Yes, sir. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Millionaire Mansion podcast. My name is James Hodgkin. I'm the owner of the Millionaire Matt Club. And we believe millionaire is defined by your mindset, not monetary status. And, you know, we just bring on great guests that have great energy that are moving things in the world. So I had to bring on a keynote speaker. He's the founder of Pick Waste. My guy, we met on Instagram and because, let me give the little backstory. So I, as y'all know, I wanna be a motivational speaker and I look up young motivational speakers and he's the only dude that popped up on YouTube. He's the only person that popped up on YouTube. So I was like, yes, I have to tap in with him. My guy, Sam Dima, how you doing bro?
0: James, it is a pleasure to be here. I'm doing great besides the fact that it is minus eleven degrees Celsius here in Canada. That aside, life is good, man.
1: It's <laughs> so pain. Like when you told me that off camera, I'm like, man, I thought my little forty six degrees Fahrenheit was a problem, but that, that's a whole that's a whole nother realm. So, yeah. for the people that don't know, you want to give a little background on yourself.
0: I'm 22 years old. My dream growing up was to play pro soccer. Went down a totally different path after my senior year in high school. Got really interested in developing yourself, building skills, entrepreneurial adventures, and different avenues. Uh, started some podcasts. Co-founded an organization called Pick Waste, which is a volunteer group that picks up trash. Uh, started professionally speaking at nineteen. Joined a association called the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. Became a board member. Just dove dove deep into this world of speaking and using your voice and experiences to positively impact others and everything else in my life all the experiences i've had that have led up to this point kind of inform my speaking and all the different things i share with young people
1: Mm. oh that's that's see you already hopped in dropping dropping some bars (laughs) so that leads me to my first question i have for you like Have you always had a sense of knowing your own voice or did you have to find your own voice?
0: Mm. What's your favorite food?
1: Mm, Waffles.
0: Did you always know you liked eating waffles? Nah. How did you figure it out, man? Just trying things. Yeah, you got to eat it, right? It's like, (laughs) you know, you go to a buffet and there's hundreds of food options the only way you figure out what you like eating is by going and grabbing an, a little bit of every single thing the buffet has to offer, bringing it back to a table and tasting it. Mm-hmm. Anyone who tells you they just knew they had a voice. That to me is crap. It's like, no, the, they, 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 they discovered their voice by speaking. Yeah. The, the reason, and the story behind how I realized this was a skill that I wanted to build and was excited about was because of pick waste. At the age of 17, I had a high school teacher who inspired me more than any other teacher I ever had. He was somebody who would get up in front of the class and lecture and yell at us with passion. Mm. And his passion just like oozed onto me. And I was like, this guy really cares. Mm. And because of that, I'm gonna listen. And he taught this lesson in class that a small consistent action can make a massive change. Like if you want to make a difference take a small consistent action and those three words have stuck with me to this day i literally wear a wristband that says small consistent actions on it to remind myself
1: yeah
0: but that idea took me and inspired me to start this organization with my buddy dylan called pick waste where we would take the small action of picking up trash for one hour once a week and we did it for four years and continue it to this day We've done close to 300 cleanups in our community filled just under 3000 bags of garbage. It's made a massive impact giving out close to 6,000 volunteer hours to high school students. But when the initiative just started, I had this idea. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Maybe we could recruit more volunteers from other high schools in our local area. And the best way to recruit them would be to speak in front of them. So I started with my own principal. I just walked into his office and said, Hey, Can I have five minutes at the end of our Thanksgiving assembly? He said, yeah, no problem. And I told a very terrible story. I sucked. I had a voice, but it was a terrible one. (laughs) And I realized after that five-minute first speech that I actually enjoyed doing it. Despite the fact that I was terrible, I enjoyed it. And apparently it had an impact because over 60 people gave us their names and email addresses to come pick up garbage. And it was through that and then another 40 some free presentations at local high schools that were only between five and 20 minutes long that I started to realize maybe I have something worth sharing. And maybe I do have a little bit of a skill when it comes to inspiring others and using my voice to make a difference. So I found my voice at about 17 by speaking, by actually actively getting out there and trying to promote something I cared about.
1: That is awesome. That's, yeah, just the story gets better and better because you remember the a two a few weeks ago, you and I were talking about it and like the story just catches me, catches me again. Oh, that's so awesome. Did you do you ever have people now that are like, oh, Sam, I knew you were going to end up being a motivational speaker.
0: <laughs> no, nah, man, I didn't even when I started speaking, I wasn't even thinking I'm going to become a speaker. Like the only sole reason I was speaking was to recruit these kids to come volunteer. I wasn't getting paid. I didn't even know it was a profession. It was after my, like roughly the 40th presentation, I had a principal give me an honorarium of a hundred bucks, 150 bucks. And he's like, you did a great job. You deserve this. And that's what made me curious enough to go, oh, this is a real thing. Like people get paid to do this. And that curiosity led to phone calls the phone calls led to resources and coaching people in my life just thought I was some environmental activist and was going to change the world by picking up garbage. No one really saw the other aspect, the part that I loved the most, which was enabling other people or helping others believe in themselves because at my core, I'm not an environmentalist. Pick waste is just how that idea of small, consistent actions played out in my personal life. But what I think is so exciting is getting someone else to believe that their own small, consistent actions can lead them down a crazy, unique path. And that's where the speaking really comes in play.
1: That's powerful. That is powerful. I like that. So you said it was Dylan, right? That?
0: Yeah, Uh, my my, my good friend.
1: Yeah, you and Dylan start pick waste. So was it just you two the first first go around or did you guys have a few other friends uh, when you guys first started?
0: We had a team of four me dylan our friend raymond and our fourth buddy shavi Mm. they stayed with us for the first two months and at the end of the summer of 2017 when we decided we were going to continue the initiative they drew back their interest and said it was a little bit of a it was a little too much of a time commitment Mm. and we had no problem with that we're like hey no worries we're going to keep pushing this thing and keep growing it you guys are always more than welcome to come out but it it was reduced just at that point down to me and Dylan. Mm-hmm. And then at one point we had a team of like six or seven people who were helping us with social media, with website stuff that were all just, yeah, unifying and pushing this mission forward. But we didn't, we don't pick up the garbage ourselves. We have like 20 to 30 student volunteers who come out every other Saturday morning. Yeah. So the team is big. I mean, we have like a list of 800 people on our, on that get our emails here in the city of Pickering where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, started as four and then just Dylan and myself.
1: Yeah, okay. That's, that's awesome. So where do you plan to take PickWaste?
0: Yeah, PickWaste is morphing into an annual event in our city. Wow. Dylan's about to move and get a full-time job. I am not moving yet, but we're kind of like reducing our involvement in the organization a little bit just to make time and space for other things. And we're turning it into a massive one-day event in the city of Pickering. It's actually going to become an official day in our city, which I think is kind of cool. That (laughs) is
1: crazy.
0: Yeah. And so every July 4th, the challenge for all the residents in this city will be to grab a garbage bag, walk their community, and fill it with trash. Uh And we will be hosting like a barbecue and do like a a massive community building event as opposed to bi-weekly cleanups every Saturday. So that's where where Pick Waste is heading. Dylan and I are working on that right now and we're excited about it.
1: This man's about to have a whole day. That's so (laughs) sick. A whole whole day, that is, that's like small consistent action right there. Yeah, man. The delayed gratification was something crazy. So that's actually something I want you to hop into because I remember your story about uh, grinding to become a pro soccer player and you know, I want you to talk a little bit about that story and then delayed gratification and kind of having to shift the vision.
0: To put it in the context, four of my teammates today play in the MLS Major League Soccer. Two of them represent the Canadian men's national team. I play I play with their cards on FIFA Ultimate Team if you're into video games.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I was on a really good team by the time I was 17 but the dream to play pro soccer started at age five, Mm -hmm. you know, at age five, I'm, I mean, kindergarten. And I remember vividly just sitting on my dad's lap, watching Italy play, watching soccer every Saturday and Sunday, my dad literally screaming when people scored a goal. And from this little child's brain, I built this attachment and this happiness towards the game of soccer. And, Little Sam Demma held on to that dream. Kindergarten Sam Demma held on to that dream for seven years. And by the age of 13, it took me to Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, most students at that age are getting ready to start high school, start grade nine. Yeah. Imagine leaving your family, leaving your friends, moving to a country where you don't speak the language, to train on this intensive schedule every single day for two to three hours. We even had the, the under 13 Korean national team kids there and living in Italy with us. And they would wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and do yoga with their coaches on the soccer fields. But we built this community. And although there was two to three hours of training every single day, I built relationships with these other athletes from around the world uh, during my experience in Italy that lasted me a lifetime. And although I didn't sign a professional contract, that was one of the aims or goals of the trip, it gave me this new perspective and new passion that fueled me when I got back home. Mm-hmm. And four years later, I remember, I remember sitting in my fourth period economics class. Mm-hmm. I used to sit in the back right-hand corner of the classroom and my, my teacher, his name was Mr. Belmonte. And he was one of those teachers who like didn't really know what was going on. If kids were his in the classroom or not his, like you could kind of sneak into his class, like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and i remember sitting in my fourth period class laptop open reading the textbook when i hear this ping on my computer Mm. and there was this email from tony mcmanus the men's soccer head coach at memphis university
1: oh yeah
0: and memphis is this division one school they're ranked 80th out of the thousands of schools across the United States. How do you think 5-year-old Sam Dema sitting on his dad's lap watching soccer felt in that moment?
1: You were screaming inside, huh?
0: Dude, I my, my 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 hair stood up, my skin got really itchy and hot. I remember literally interrupting my teacher running out of the hallway and you know, grabbing my cell phone, calling my father. Pops, you're not going to believe this no we just got an email from Memphis University and the email said Sam we're very interested in you as an athlete we've seen you play we have the grade you have the grades we want to bring you down to our school on an official visit oh wow yeah they pay for the flights they pay for the hotels they basically bring you to the school wine and dine you for three days on their own dime to try and convince you to come back the next year and take their money as one of their full riot scholarship. Oh, athletes. It was like, let's show you a good time. So you come here for free and you know, to go there is like 60,000 American dollars per year. And I don't know how much babysitting you did growing up James, but <laughs> didn't matter how many hours you do. You just, you're not making $60,000, you know? yeah. And so I remember going on this trip, flying back home, The coach Tony, I remember I was standing outside of the, the campus. It was the last day of the official visit. We had an amazing time. They brought us out to restaurants, let us practice with the team, got to meet the academic staff. I had my belly full of mac and cheese from eating in the cafeteria. I was getting ready to go into the cab to drive back to the airport. Coach Tony pulls me aside. Sam, we're really interested in you. But we want to watch you play one more time in this very high-pressure environment.
1: Mm.
0: And what he meant by high-pressure environment was the Disney Cup. Mm. Every single year, there is this massive tournament that happens in Florida. Mm. It's one of the biggest soccer tournaments in all of North America. Thousands of coaches go. There's 180 soccer fields, some of which are televised. Thousands of coaches go and watch teams play. And the catch was the team I was on actually won the tournament the year before.
1: Wow. So...
0: We got a lot of attention.
1: Football.
0: This is—I'm uh I'm still in high school at this point. Uh-huh. But the coaches that are coming to watch are all from university. All right. And he's like, "We're going to watch you in the Disney Cup." And I thought, perfect. You know, I'm—I'm I'm ready for this. This is easy. And I flew home from Memphis, prepared myself. Five days later, I'm playing in a friendly match with my team, and. This is five days before leaving for the Disney Cup. I remember bumping shoulders with this big guy on my team named Zach mm-hmm. and after I caught my balance, I realized something felt really funny in my left knee mm. and I remember jogging around the field the next five minutes with this clicking and grinding in my upper left leg before deciding it's probably in your best interest to get off the pitch, yeah and so i you know I get off the pitch. And what I didn't realize in that moment was I actually ended up tearing the cartilage in my left knee Mm. and I wasn't able to play in the tournament, but we already paid to go and it was supposed to be this huge opportunity. My my family came all four days. I had to sit on the bench with this swollen knee. There was over 80 coaches along the sideline of the soccer field holding clipboards and pens and every single player on my team got a full ride Division One scholarship, four of which now play in MLS how do you think five-year-old Sam felt in those moments? I, I felt lost, man. I didn't know what I, my identity was in the next two years, were some of the toughest times in my life. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking a fifth year of high school. I ended up tearing the cartilage in my left knee a second time, having a second operation. In the fifth year, I ended up tearing the cartilage in my right knee along with the labrum in my right hip. I opted out of both of those surgeries after two years of trying to get back on my feet. And that is when I met my teacher who helped me realize that life is filled with games. Life is filled with thousands of games and all it takes is you to develop the courage to click start on a new game. Mm -hmm. The skills that I built playing soccer are equally applicable to other things that I'm gonna do in my life. And he helped me realize that through small consistent actions and that's why his three words small consistent actions are so important to me when i'm overwhelmed i ask myself what's the next small consistent action you can take when things are working well what's the next small consistent action you can take right and and the thing that stops the most people in my opinion is building this big plan in your head that feels so overwhelming so when you break it down and you ask yourself what's the next small step it makes it a little more tangible all right. Now I shared with you a little bit about my soccer journey right there. And that's where my passion for leading others and having a positive influence on others came from. Um, yeah. I hope that answers your, your question,
1: man. You just took us through a whole movie, bro. <laughs> that storytelling was amazing. No, that is. Wow. The timing, the timing behind it all is just so wild. And you know, it's super cool to see see it play out and see your maturity show through the tough times you know because uh it would have been very easy for uh a lot of individuals like, no I'm not going absolutely I'm not going to Florida no I can't or just be like a stanky attitude on the bench la 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 and you know your story it kind of reminds me uh reminds me of Inky Johnson, his story, and how he uh, paralyzed his arm, how he paralyzed his arm and kind of dove into dove into speaking. So it's really cool seeing the similarities of how you took that grind, you took that grind, that passion, that dedication, and now found a new way to pour it into the world. So in terms of, and for, for somebody that's listening to this, that knows that they knows that they can progress the world, what advice would you give if they're struggling to find a way to shine their light on the world?
0: Yeah, man, good question. I would say understand that it takes time. You know, you can take the correct actions. You could do all the right things. But if you're not allowing time to play its part and you give up too soon or too early, it'll never happen. Mm. For example, if I set a goal and I said, I want to become super fit. And I start eating salads and lean chicken and going to the gym every day for an hour. Yeah. You and I could both agree those are the right actions to take. But if I only did them for seven days, my body would not change. Right. So so understanding that you can do the right things, but still require the patience to allow time to play its part for you to shine your light on the world is something that's so important to understand you know the the other thing I would say is and I've done this personally don't compare your own year one to someone else's year 10 Mm -hmm. and I've done it so often dude like when I started speaking I went online and searched up speakers and I found this guy who had been speaking for 20 years And the first thing that subconsciously happened in my brain was i want to be just like him what i forgot to remind myself was he's been doing it for 25 years not to say that i can't build my skills to be where he's at but everything i'm seeing is his 25 year plan what i'm not seeing is what he did at year one and what he did at year two and what he did at year three and what he did at year four that all led him to where he is now yeah so even this idea of Thinking that the way you shine your light needs to look like somebody else is totally false. And comparing the way you shine your light on the world by how others shine their light on the world is a bad idea. And it makes you feel like you're lesser or not enough. So I would say allow time to play its part. That's like one piece of advice. Step two, don't compare your year one to someone else's year 25. And step three, I would say find people who are also trying to shine their lights on the world. You know, you you bring two, three, four lights together. Next thing you know, the whole room's lit up. Right. So, you know, join forces with like-minded individuals. When you're down, they'll light you up. When they're down, you light them up. You know, one of the most valuable things I did after I dropped out of university and decided I was going to go down this path was find somebody. I, I, I like to believe that you only need one person, at least one individual who believes in you sometimes more than you believe in yourself. And for me, that was my good friend, Lucas we would we would go to starbucks at any hour of the day to talk about our dreams and goals we would drive to these linkedin events and we would try and network with people and every time there was an open mic to share something we would introduce ourselves i was sweaty i was nervous we made business cards we didn't have we didn't even have a business and we were like let's just build connections and me and him leaned on each other when he was down i'd lift him up when i was down he'd lift me up and it's crazy because what we used to talk about three years ago is a reality today, but three years ago when we were just sitting in Starbucks talking about it, if I was comparing what I was doing at that moment to what other people were doing, I would have felt like I wasn't moving quick enough. So I think it's really important to have tunnel vision when you're, when you're focused on trying to be a positive impact in the lives of others.
1: That's good, bro. I just took that to heart, man. I needed that. I needed that word, honestly you know, I feel like it's so easy to, like you said, get caught watching somebody's year 25 and not knowing that, not knowing what they went through to get to where they want. And it's kind of, it's almost like discrediting their grind, like discrediting that they had to go through the process. You're like, oh, why am I not there right now? But no, you have to wait your time and go through your own trials and tribulations. So I feel like that message and that advice right there, that's worth that's priceless. That's priceless. I feel like anybody can really take that and run. Like, that patience with the persistence, oh, my God. I you, There's no limits on what you can do. There's really no limits on what you can do. So, man, you're only 22. You're only 22. What, what else do you have planned? What, what is your year 25 going to look like?
0: Yeah, I mean – I started this when I was 19, so year twenty-five is like forty-six. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully by that point in time I'm a family man and have some kids. That's a big goal of mine in the future. I definitely want to build a little team, a little little <laughs> a little army of demos. <laughs>
1: a little demo um, army.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think by that point my priorities in life have shifted slightly. Yeah. I probably, not probably, I will at that point have built an agency that represents young people who want to do the similar work that I've done. Mm -hmm. Because I'll be able to provide that template of what year one, two, three, four all look like. And I know I'll still be making a positive impact on people. I don't know if I'll still be keynoting to kids by the time I'm 45. I might have shifted into the corporate world and teaching people sales or who knows I can't I can't really guess 25 25 years but what I will tell you is I'll be very value driven I'll still value my health and find time for the gym I will still value being a positive source of inspiration and influence on others whether that's speaking creating products books uh, maybe even a movie um, dabbling in the arts whether it's spoken word poetry creating albums like all these sorts of things are different little tools on the table that i'll probably pull from right but yeah at 45 i've i've created a mass amount of impact and i think my role shifts more into a mentorship role mm-hmm. i'm pouring into other young geniuses that i that i can pour my wisdom or advice by that point onto and hopefully help them push their own ideas and careers and goals and dreams forward
1: right i love that i love that and you know The fact that you have the vision, it's it's already done. You know, that's something I'm really realizing. And I hear from a lot of motivational speakers, a lot of successful people is like, just know where you want to go. Don't figure out how and don't get too caught on the details. But just know where you want to go and you'll get some way, somehow. Oh, you
0: know know what Denzel Washington said recently that like really stuck to me like glue? What did he say? He was like. If you get an idea and it is a truly beneficial idea, meaning it benefits all those involved, like, yes, you will make money from it. And yes, you will benefit from it, but it's also good for others. If you get that idea, it is proof from God or whatever you believe in sent before it actually happens Mm -hmm. to indicate to you that it's already yours. You just need to claim it. And I was like, damn that's powerful it's, and it's so true it's like if, if an idea comes to you that's it's beneficial it's good for everybody involved and it's something that you truly desire it's like why that idea hits you and why are you so obsessed with it it is proof that it's already happened or is proof sent before it even happening that it's already yours you just got to claim it and start walking the path
1: right Man. Wait, so, oh, okay. No, that just gave me a question. So how do, how do, how do you walk the path?
0: Yeah. So curiosity is the key. I think you always need to be a student. The moment you think I've arrived at the destination is the moment you stop growing and your whole demeanor shifts and changes. When I decided I wanted to be a professional speaker and share stories and experiences with students. The first thing I did, similar to you, was go on Google, search the word youth speaker, and I called every single person on the first five pages. And I just asked questions. Can you tell me how you sell a speech? Can you tell me how you craft a speech? Can you tell me how you get in touch with principals in schools that can hire you? Can you tell me how much you charge? Can you tell me different books you've read, resources or coaches or courses you've purchased, associations you've joined, events you've attended? And from those first 15 phone calls, what I got was a blueprint. Mm -hmm. And I was very specific to ask, what did you do on year one when you were just starting? Because what I didn't want someone to tell me was, go buy this $20,000 very specific program that will teach you how to sell $50,000 bundles to school superintendents. It's like, no, I'm not there yet. I just need to figure out how to speak to high school kids on the most basic level. What did you do at year one? And I got all the resources I needed. And then it was just up to me to make the decision and put my limiting beliefs aside to take the jump. And for me, that was postponing my post-secondary education taking my first years of tuition and investing it in those courses and programs that everyone told me on those first 15 phone calls yeah. to boil this down into a principle that you could actually use you want to go and find somebody who's done exactly what it is you're doing mm-hmm. and make that person like a coach or a mentor right. and ask them what they did at, at you know during year one and if they have your best interests at heart, they'll kind of give you some ideas. Here's some books to read. Here's an association to join. Here's a course to take. And then you just start taking them.
1: Yeah. Wow. No, that's small, consistent action. Small, yeah, consistent man. action. They I all- got to
0: get you one of these wristbands, bro. I'll send oh, you one yeah, of the mail. Yeah, I in.
1: need a wristband.
0: Yeah,
1: no, bro. Oh, <laughs> it all boils back down to that. And, you know, I I... I feel like that's one of my principles of life. I, I maybe didn't phrase it that way, but yeah, the small, consistent action, it, it, it will get you so far. It'll get you so far. Uh, you touched on something when you said you had to overcome your limiting beliefs. And I remember a few weeks ago on your Instagram story, uh, you were working on a project and you asked, does anybody else ever get imposter syndrome? right so what 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 do you typically do to handle your imposter syndrome and overcoming your limiting beliefs
0: yeah absolutely the way i like to explain beliefs is in this analogy of a bag i believe that every single one of us have this invisible backpack strapped to our shoulders and in this bag we carry all our past experiences and also the thoughts and opinions that other people place on us Mm
1: -hmm.
0: recently i was doing an instagram live inviting students up to share their dreams and goals and this kid joined who i had never spoken to before and i could tell right away that he was a little uncomfortable he had seemed like he hadn't really been on camera before and he wasn't sure what to say but we loosened him up we got him speaking and i was like what are your dreams and goals and he said sam i have two i have two dreams i want to become an actor and I wanna get 50,000 followers on social media. Mm-hmm. I understood the first goal. Like it made sense to me. If, if acting is something that you're truly passionate about, it makes sense to pursue it. Right. But why just randomly decide I want 50,000 followers? So I politely challenged the student. I'm like, you know, when you get 50,000 followers, what in your life is gonna change?
1: Mm.
0: James, I had no idea. What this young man was gonna say
1: mm-hmm.
0: he was like sam if i get fifty thousand followers and i become an actor the kids in my school will stop bullying me and call me a loser mm. said my life is filled with bullies i've considered ending my life on multiple occasions i think i'm really ugly turned off his screen on instagram live i went completely silent
1: mm.
0: the hair on my arms literally stood up i went speechless i didn't know what to say and after a few seconds of silence, we reassured this young man that everything was going to be okay. We we directed him to some resources where he could get some help. We congratulated him from stepping out of his comfort zone to share and like come live on the call and actually speak about his dreams and goals. By the end of it, he was laughing. But after we ended the phone call, the one thought that I could not get out of my mind was this young bright man literally considered ending his life based on the beliefs Somebody else had placed on him and he had carried in his backpack for who knows how long. And it's a belief that's not even his. Right. This this idea that he's ugly, he's not good enough, he needs followers, all does not come from yourself. It comes from external sources. Yeah. So when we think about limiting beliefs, the first thing I ask myself every time I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm not worthy, or I feel like things aren't working out the way I want them to, I ask myself, what am I carrying in my bag right now and where did it come from? Mm-hmm. right you know someone might have told you you're not a good enough basketball player so you grew up believing you couldn't play pro right. someone told you you're not you're not smart enough in math so you can't get into the sciences right we 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 carry around these beliefs and so i would say the first thing i try and do and to deal with limiting beliefs is actually figure out which ones of them i'm carrying uh, and where they came from because almost always they came from somebody else or something else and just the idea of identifying it and being aware that those beliefs aren't yours for me is typically enough to distance myself from it and right. replace it with something else. The second thing I do is try and find proof that what I want to do is actually possible. Mm-hmm. For example, recently I started boxing mm-hmm. and this is very low key. No one knows about it, but I'm training like two hours a day, six times a week. Yeah. And I want to take it very seriously, almost like a comeback story in a different sport. Hey. And hey the first thing that went through my mind was who do you think you are 22 years old getting into a new sport people have been boxing since they were 12 10 5 yeah. you really think you have a chance and so i went online and i searched boxers professionally that started late and i found like 50 people that started after the age of 25 yeah. and that's all i needed to see now i'm giving i just literally just took that and it was like clunk Put it in my backpack right and i'm like this is possible and i'm choosing to believe it so i would say figure out what the limiting belief is find proof that the opposite is possible choose to believe that that that's kind of addresses your question on limiting beliefs about imposter syndrome i think imposter syndrome starts to happen when you actually start taking steps you can't feel like an imposter unless you're on the journey you can't feel like an imposter unless you're actually doing the thing so imposter syndrome in and of itself is it's a good sign yeah but at the same time it can stop you from taking action the way that i get over imposter syndrome is by continuing to take action yeah when i feel like i'm not good enough or uh, who am i to be writing a book because that's the project i was talking about yeah,
1: yeah in yeah. those
0: moments i sit down and keep writing because what eventually ends up happening is i write down an idea that i think is dope and i'm like damn, I wrote that down. I came up with that. And then it it kind of shuts that little noise off. So I would say imposter syndrome is a good thing. Um, Keep taking the action. It'll go away over time. Mm -hmm. And in regards to limiting beliefs, check your backpack and then find proof that a more positive belief is possible and pack that instead.
1: Yeah. That's, man, you just gave some game. Drop some gems, bro. That, oh my God. That stuff is powerful and wow that's a whole nother perspective on imposter syndrome that like it's it's really almost like a reassuring sign that you're doing something big that you're doing something out of your comfort zone you know because I feel like it's something all of us run into at some point point. and you know when I ran when I run into my imposter syndrome I kind of I kind of Use the same strategy of just continuing to take action, and then I always remind myself. I'm like, okay, mo- more than likely the person that's gonna judge me didn't even have the guts to do what I wanted to do, right? Yeah. And that's the other bro- thing, huh? Yeah, go ahead. That's the
0: other thing, bro. People like all opinions are not created equally, and I, I should have told you about this when I talked about the backpack, but. If someone is giving you advice, feedback, loving on you or hating on you, but they're not in a position that you wanna be in, Mm -hmm. those things, the things they say are just noise.
1: Noise.
0: It's noise because if I was a pilot of an airplane or an aspiring pilot of an airplane, I wouldn't walk into the passenger section and say, hey, can you teach me how to fly a plane? Or can you give me feedback on my flying experience? It's like, no, I have to go find a pilot who can teach me, who can help me, their opinion, would be valid. And if they, in their heart, hold me in high regard and actually want what's best for me, I should listen to their critiques, their feedback, their love of my work, or their dislike of something I did. But right. when it's some random person who is not doing what you want to do, who obviously clearly doesn't have your best interests at heart, then it's just noise. Right. And uh, I think it's inco- it's just important to remember that sometimes too, you know?
1: That's it right there. Just really being able to decipher what's noise and what's actually quality stuff yeah oh man all right so I got one last question for you and it's like a two-part like you can either answer one or the other or both so well oh dang I guess we kind of already know the answer to one of them I was going to say, what's something, what's some words you live by, but it's small, consistent action. Yeah. <laughs> so that's already answered. That's already answered. So, all right. My last question. What is the most recent life lesson you've learned?
0: Mm. The most recent life lesson.
1: <clears throat> lesson.
0: The most recent life lesson I learned was the importance of making other people feel special and significant
1: mm.
0: and it came from my coach um his name's chris and i've hired him for the past three years to teach me about speaking and business yeah. and he told me that most people you know most people live their life the wrong way they spend they spend their entire life posting about how great they are and posting about all the things they're doing look at me look at me look at me And every once they make somebody else feel special or important. Mm -hmm. And he was like, the ironic part is when you start pointing and celebrating others, more people point and celebrate you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just an important thing to remember that there's abundance. like There is a never ending abundance in this universe. And if you truly believe that, then you should carve out the time to celebrate other people and make them feel special and significant as well. And that's something I learned recently, man. You know, even when I started speaking, I I was a young guy. I was nineteen, like I seventeen when I first started speaking. I had an ego. You know, look at me. I'm a superstar. I'm on stage.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Recently, I've been I've I've learned the opposite is is more impactful. Right. Not only from like a impact standpoint, but also like an income standpoint, and just more joy and fulfillment in life.
1: That's yeah. That's oh my god. That's it right there. Cause and also with that is like what you put out, you're going to get back. So in in a selfish sense, like if you make somebody else feel good, you may not necessarily feel good back from directly from them, but it's going to come back to you in some way, somehow, like that's just how things go. That's really how things go.
0: And all service is selfish in nature because like, There's a theory that no action is ever done without considering yourself. And I think it's true, even if it's subconsciously, when you give money to a homeless person, you know, why do you do that? Because you feel good about yourself. Look at me. I'm a good human being. And it's like, you know, every action we take has a selfish aspect to it. So why not take one that helps somebody else makes you feel good about yourself and makes the world as a whole, just a little bit of a better place. Exactly. that's like, what small consistent actions is all about fulfilling your dreams but making sure you can make others dreams you know come true too and supporting them along their journeys
1: yeah i like that i like i really like that man this has been this this whew, this has been some real value this has been some real value for real Thanks, bro. i appreciate it i appreciate it um Real quick, real quick, uh, to everybody that's listening, everybody that's listening,
0: how can they tap in with you? Easiest way, just go to samdema.com yeah. you want to send me a note, you can fill out the contact form. If you're on socials, Instagram is the best one. It's just sam underscore demma. Mm-hmm. Those would be the two best ways.
1: Right. And I'll put it in the description. Put it in the description. Uh, for everybody that's listening, my ebook is coming out before Christmas. I think next week on a Wednesday. I don't remember the date. Seven and seven reset is launching soon. Yeah, that's all my announcements. Sam, you got some closing remarks for us, brother, man. Send us keep off taking, with a word of inspiration.
0: Keep taking small, consistent actions and don't look at the clock.
1: <laughs> that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Man, I'm so grateful for this. I really appreciate this for real, bro.
0: Yeah, man, this was dope. This was a, a super cool convo. I appreciate you crafting crafting out the time in your schedule to make it happen. Yeah, oh
1: yeah.
0: And send me your mailing address, bro. I'll send you one of these bands.
1: Oh, yeah, I need a band, for real. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll send, <laughs> I'll send it to you. But like my grandma said, man, keep going, keep growing. Peace.